Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Lewis Riddick in just a moment on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. They have an interesting game this week between two NFC contenders that I think most of us can't make up our minds about. Bears and Rams. Rams obviously have Aaron Donald. They've, had, they've looked very good some weeks this year and others somewhat confounding. Bears, of course, are a, a somewhat surprising 5-1 and one defense heavy. We'll talk about it. Giants-Eagles tonight kicks off the NFL weekend. It's a terrible game, except it's very meaningful. We'll talk about the Cowboys, the Browns, a whole lot else. I will explain the inexplicable moment that I had on television this morning. And then there's something I just want you to know that happened today that made me feel a little melancholy. So all of that, the table is set for what you can expect in the next 20 minutes. It begins with my friend Lewis Riddick, who joins me on the Shell Penzel Performance Line. Hello again, Lewis. Really, what's up, my man? Well, it's a pleasure as always. And I want to start with your game this week. I, I always enjoyed when we had John uh, Gruden on the old show. I always loved talking to him in the middle of the week about the game they were doing, because I know you follow literally everything that happens in the NFL. But when you're doing a game, I know you're diving deep into the tape. So let, let's start with the Bears side of it. As you look at their offense, I think we all think they play championship caliber offense. But the big question among those who don't believe in them is, can they get their... Did I say offense? Excuse me. Obviously, I yeah, meant, def- I meant defense. Right. Excuse me. Obviously, that's what I meant. I knew what you meant. Yeah, they play championship uh, you know, caliber defense. The, the people who don't believe in them, which I think includes a lot of their fans, will say their, their offense just doesn't look good enough. From what you've seen from their offense, what do you think they can do to get themselves to a place where it can be complimentary enough to where they could be a team to make a deep run this year? Yeah, I think where it's what, what they can do is this: they they can they can they can protect the football. They can not turn it over. They can hit the shots, Greeny, that are there to hit. And that and by that I mean the big plays in the passing game, and that's going to require Nick Foles to play at a very consistent, consistently high level, both mentally. And physically. And by that, I mean this. The offensive line is a weak point on this team. Running the football is just not something they're able to do. They're just not. They're not able to capture the line of scrimmage and move people off the line of scrimmage the way that ideally Matt Nagy wants to do. From a pass protection standpoint, Nick has taken some big hits against the good teams, against the teams who can really rush the passer like Indianapolis and like Tampa. They won Tampa. They lost against Indy. DeForest Buckner terrorized. Nick Foles. Justin Houston terrorized Nick Foles. So, from a mental perspective, he's going to have to make sure they get themselves in the right protections to where he can protect himself reasonably and then he's going to have to have the courage to stand in there and not flinch when he knows he's going to get hit and get the ball down the field because they have some people that can get down the field now. Allen Robinson is a good wide receiver. This rookie from Tulane, Darnell I mean, uh, Mooney, is a legit speedster. A guy who in that number 11 jersey looks like a Deshaun Jackson type. And they've had their shots open down the field, and Nick has either missed them because, one, he doesn't want to stand in there because he's getting hit. Two, he throws an errant pass because he's getting hit. Or three, he just gets sacked. So they can strike you with big plays, but they can't run the football. I don't know how that improves. So they're going to have to play a very smart, cerebral type of game, and that's going to start with the quarterback. Because you're right. They have championship caliber D. They can shut down anybody. They've got hellraisers on all three levels, that D-line, linebacker, and in the secondary. 
And I think you'll see that on Monday night. They're going to give Jared Goff fits. They're going to give him fits. Can they make enough plays in the passing game in order to score enough points so they can win? That's the question. And this Monday, they will get the Rams, another team that's been a little bit difficult to figure out at the start of this season. What is the tape show? What are you seeing? Yeah, it's inconsistency again, particularly on the offensive side, where when the run game is going, the passing game flows naturally off of it because nobody is able to call different types of play action better than Sean McVay. Nobody. Him and, him and Kyle Shanahan are on another level when it comes to that. But the run game has to get going. And then Jared Goff has to be accurate and has to be consistent with his passing because it's usually there. It's there to be had because Sean's one of the best schemers in the NFL. But it's whether or not from week to week they can call on the performance that they need. Defensively, they've improved dramatically with Brandon Staley, their new defensive coordinator, who's a rising star in the NFL. They can heat up the passer as well as anyone because you know 99 is an absolute terror in Aaron Donald. And in the back end, they've got a corner that can shut down your number one guy and take him out of the game for the most part in Jalen Ramsey. It's the consistency by by which they play total team defense and total team offense. When the Rams are hitting, they're as good as any team in the NFC West. They'll be right there as far as uh, challenging for that title and challenging in the NFC. But when they're not... They're not. And see, that. if I had an answer for you as to why and why they can't call on that performance every week, I think I'd be, I wouldn't be working at ESPN. I'd be working with Sean McVay, and I'd be on his staff helping him out. But that's what they're trying to figure out. And they're looking forward to playing this week because it's a hell of a challenge for their offense. They kind of got punched in the gut by San Francisco last week uh, on Sunday Night Football, and they need to respond. And then on the Bears' side, the Bears are tired of hearing people say that they're not, good, they're not a 5 and one team. So they're motivated, too. So I, I think that makes for a pretty intriguing matchup. Should be fun. Lewis Riddick and Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. It, it's a more intriguing matchup than the one that we have tonight, which I don't know what to make of. You have the <laughs> Eagles, who are 1-4-1 and, and and just banged up beyond anyone's imagination. Ertz is hurt now and Sanders, and it just never ends. And the Giants, who, when you watch them, most for the most part, look like they're as bad as any team in the NFL – and yet they are literally one game out of first place in that NFC East. So these are such unusual circumstances. How, how would you imagine those teams are handling that in that division? Like what conversations are taking place? Put Dallas in a different category. We'll get to them. But the Giants, yeah. the Eagles, Washington, where the season has been bad, just flat out bad through six weeks. But you're clearly right in the thick of things. How is that being handled? Yeah, I think, I think it's just that. You have to sell to the team as a coach that you are in the thick of it as far as being able to contend for the division title, which puts you in the playoffs, which gives you a shot because we all know in single elimination tournaments on any given Sunday, you can surprise anybody. We've seen it happen. We've seen teams win championships that way. So I think that's how they're selling it in order to keep the guys motivated and keep them working to improve, despite the fact that they know in many games they're outmanned and don't have enough guns to really deal with the better teams in the NFL. And it's a hard thing to do. It's hard to do, especially when you're playing in empty stadiums and it's almost like glorified scrimmages for the players themselves. Look, it's much different when we watch it and we, when we commentate it as opposed to the players. I've heard from many players that it's in coaches that it's tough to maintain the level of energy that you need for three, three and a half hours in real time when there's no one there. And then it's quiet. 
and it feels like you're in a scrimmage. It's tough to do. So in these kind of situations, when you have that going on, plus the fact that you're not playing very well, and you know that if you don't win the division title, that you're out of it, that you're pretty much playing for 2021, it's a hard thing to keep guys focused and keep them engaged. But when you're dealing with this division in particular, where it's anyone's and it's up for grabs, that's the carrot you have to dangle in front of yourself as a coach and in front of your players. And I know that's what Doug Peterson doing is doing, and I know that's what Joe Judge is doing as well. Greeny and Lewis Ritiker here. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save in as little as three minutes at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. Two more quick ones for you, Lewis, if I may. Um, yep. they're, they're telling me everyone loved your, your, your perspective on the Cowboys this morning. So for those who are not with us on Get Up, I mean, that locker room, well, it, we, we've all seen what's going on coming out of there and what they're putting on tape. What is your perspective on where they are in Dallas right now? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a tough one because, again, you're dealing with a team that knows they had his heart ripped out with Dak Prescott getting hurt. And I think if there's ever been any question as to what he means to that team on the field and off the field, it, it was answered on Monday night. It was answered. He, he actually, in a very ironic and tragic way, made money for himself because they're lost without him right now. He was making that offense look much better behind an offensive line that's been decimated. And we went over it this morning on Get Up. It's been mm-hmm. decimated. Three starters are gone. Three very good starters. Now maybe four, depending upon how how healthy Travis Frederick will be coming back. So right now it's really going to be on the big three, or really the big four. It's going to be on Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, and it's going to be on Ezekiel Elliott. They're going to have to lift Andy Dalton, and they have no margin for error either. They're going to have to make special plays every week. Andy's going to have to get the ball out of his hands fast every week and get it to those guys, and those guys are going to have to make special plays. There's just no other way around it. Ezekiel Elliott has to hold on to the football. He carries the fortunes of the entire franchise with him every time he totes it. When he gives it to the other team, I don't know if I heard it once. I heard it a million times. Coaches say, you basically have put us all in jeopardy. You've compromised us all when you fumble the football. He can't do that. On the defensive side, Greeny, I don't know what they they can do because (laughs) they have some good players, but I can just tell you this. I know people don't like when players go and talk to anonymous well, not anonymous, but well, when anonymous players talk to sources and then mm-hmm. those sources report the news. But I can just tell you this. They're not wrong. They are getting outcoached, out-schemed, and outplayed. So do the players need to play better? Yeah. But they look like players who don't know what the hell they're doing. From a basic fundamental standpoint, especially when it comes to secondary and second-level play at linebacker as far as defending the passing game. I've never seen it that bad. And that, that's just me being objective. And you know I'm not trying to grind any act. I don't care if Dallas wins or loses. They don't look like they know what they're doing. And when players say these coaches can't help us, they can't help us adjust, they can't give us more tools by which to compete, that isn't because they're sitting there saying, well, you know, they're not taking any responsibility. But when you know you're undermanned, you have to, you have to make up the difference as a coach meaning you better fundamentally have them down pat as far as what they need to do, and you better be able to help them in-game because the quickest way to lose a player is when you can't help them. And they're out there getting their rear end smoked, and you have no answers for them. And that's what it sounds like is happening there, and I don't think you can fix that. So Dallas is in trouble. Boy, that's well said. I'm just going to leave it there. I don't know what we could possibly do to top that. Lewis, thank you so much, as always. It's always great to talk. And we'll see you next week. You'll be watching Monday night. Thanks, Lewis. You bet, brother. See ya.
It's the great Lewis Riddick on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils are made from natural gas, giving you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. He just has a certain authoritative quality in his voice that is so extraordinary um, that when he says it, it just sounds different than when other people say it. Like, I've heard a lot of people say similar things to what he just said about the Cowboys. Somehow it just sounds different and more important when he says it. And he's, he's not kidding. If you, he is not, he's not sitting here trying to pile on the Cowboys. He just did their game. He was just around those, that, that group. And to hear people talk about the Cowboys the way, so for a guy like Lewis Riddick to be willing to say that just goes to show you just how terrible it is. Like there's a level of terrible that there are levels of people who know about football, right? There's, there's me who I never played organized football in my life. But I've been watching the sport nonstop for, let's call it, 45 years. So I know what good football looks like for the most part and bad football looks like, and I know some of the nuance. And because I've done this job for so long and been able to ask questions to really smart people like Lewis and because I sat next to Golik for all those years and I would pick up all the stuff that the X's and O's and all that kind of thing, I think I know more about it than your average, well-educated football fan. But when you take it to the next level, for someone like Lewis Riddick, to be willing to say the Cowboys don't just look bad, they look like they don't know what they're trying to do. That's not necessarily something that even I would be able to recognize. That's different. Lots of teams are bad. Every single year there are bad teams. Every single year there are bad defenses. But it is totally different when people who know more about the sport than who have forgotten today more about the sport than I'll ever know are willing to say, These guys are not being coached well. So that is a real problem. Now, I don't take back a word that I said about the anonymous quotes. There's nothing more cowardly than than being in an NFL locker room and giving anonymous quotes about how bad the coaches are. Because at the end of the day, you are either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. And when you're doing that, you are making yourself purposely part of the problem because of some other agenda you have, whatever that might be. So I take back none of what I said, but it does jump out at you just how bad it is. Like it's really, really bad in Dallas right now. However, I feel like however bad we think it is, maybe it's worse. I can't even imagine what might happen if some team in their division was five and one. And if it does ultimately get away from them, I don't know where it's going to go, but it does feel like. Significant change might be on the horizon if that thing doesn't start to turn around, and we'll see if they can turn it around. It's a division weekend in that sport, or in that division. You got Philly and the Giants tonight. Again, I watch the Giants play every week. I feel like they're playing hard for their coach. I, I don't, I don't, they don't look like one of the teams. that They don't look like Dallas. They're just not very good. The Eagles, I think, are the best team in that division when they're healthy. But they're so far from healthy, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Wentz, is, I think, has is, is recaptured being really good. I don't know. I don't know what to expect tonight. I mean, my head says, of course the Eagles will win. But what the heck? I mean, with the way this season has started for the teams in that division at this point, who knows? I will remind you, by the way, that our show is a podcast. They take both hours of this show, each of them individually, and put them up. It's hashtag Greeny. You get it anywhere you usually uh, listen to your podcasts. And we've got great stuff up there every single day. We've been having a lot of fun. And if you can't spend these two hours with me live, then you can always catch up there. Meanwhile, Bubba, there's something I want everybody to know.
I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. All right. So I really wanted to talk about this. And this is this one is a little melancholy. Um, it's not it's not funny. It's not necessarily meant to be funny. But it's just something I wanted to share because that's the relationship that I came back to the radio to have with you. I, it, it's one thing for me to sit there on television every day and we, we are doing, I'm so proud of the show that we're doing every single day. I think we have outstanding opinion analysis, debate and fun. But the sort of one-on-one connection that we can have here, just you and me, is something that you don't get in any other medium. So that's why I'm back here. So if you're listening to this, I hope it's at least partly because you care at least a little bit about the things that I'm thinking about. So I just wanted to tell you something that happened this morning. So we all get in at six o'clock in the morning for a meeting before get up. And we usually are a staff of like 15 people. Right now we're allowed to have three in the building at the seaport because of the coronavirus. We're working around that and, and, and all it's working. We could not be operating more efficiently. So we're doing great. So I'm sitting in a room, it's just me and one other person, and then everyone else is on a Zoom. And we're talking about yesterday's very fun and funny conversation about Michael Jackson and about which is his best album. And that it just turns into a fun discussion as it did yesterday. And Dominique Foxworth says, I was surprised that it came out in 1979 because I thought I remembered that coming out and I wasn't born until 1983. And I can tell you, when he said that, I almost fell out of my chair. It was like I was slapped in the face by something. And I'll tell you what it was. I got my start in this business very, very young. I was 24 years old when they put me on the beat to cover Michael Jordan. So I was on the Bulls and Bears beat at the age of 24, which meant that I was always the youngest person everywhere I went. Every press box I was in, every press conference that I was at, I was younger than anyone else. When we'd be traveling with teams, whatever it was, I was the kid. I was always the kid. I was sort of the wonder kid at one point. And when you've been that, I guess I can't speak for everyone, but at least for me, there's always a part of you that thinks that way. Like, I still think of myself that way. I still see myself that way, even though obviously it isn't the case, even though In my mind, I recognize that the overwhelming majority of the time with my staff and when I'm at work, I'm the oldest person in the room. I get that. You know, when Mike and I started, I was a kid. I was 32 years old. I was young. And we were young and everything. And then time went by. I guess the point I'm making is that I'm aware of that most of the time. But I'm not accustomed to it. I'm not accustomed to being reminded of it by surprise like that. And so when he said that, it really struck me. It's just amazing. And, and psychology, I think, is just a fascinating thing. And this is something I've been, I've been reading about and studying a little bit of late. And I just thought you might find it interesting that there's still a part of me that feels like the kid in the group all the time. Like I'm always the young one. People, that greenie, he's that young up-and-coming broadcaster. That, he's the, the, the wonder kid. He's, that's the, still the way I envision myself. So when Dominic Foxworth said that he was born in a year that I vividly remember... I mean, you want me to start listing off the things that happened in 1983 up to and including, that's the A.J. Dewey game. He was born the year of the A.J. Dewey game. I remember where I was sitting for the A.J. I still haven't gotten over the A.J. Dewey game. I still remember individual plays from the A.J. Dewey game. 1983. So anyway, I just wanted to share that. It's just something I wanted you to know. Usually I'll try and make these funny stories. I know there's nothing funny about that. But I just, I wonder if you're 
maybe almost any age, if that's something that you can relate to. Because it really struck me. It, it jumped out at me, and it was a... Uh, I said something to Dominique about it afterwards, and we had a laugh, because I'm not upset about it. I don't, no, don't get me wrong. But it was a different kind of moment. It was, it was a moment unlike anything I've experienced, maybe ever. And I guess maybe I need to start getting used to it. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny with you. Going to open up the phones in about 15 minutes. The game of the day is called, What Do You Want to Know? Anything you want to ask me about the world of sports, I'll be happy to answer. But something interesting that happened today uh, was Keyshawn Johnson's response to Odell Beckham or his thoughts provoked by Odell Beckham. This morning on KJZ here on ESPN Radio, Odell, and I played this for you earlier in this show, had some comments about how he, he doesn't even care how he's perceived anymore. He was mad on the sideline on Sunday because his team was getting blown out and they took him out and he wanted to be out there with his teammates to the very end despite the fact that they were getting crushed and he was demonstrative about it and he's no longer interested in what people think of him. And I get it. I mean, Odell strikes me as a guy who, look, he became a megastar in the biggest market we have. And there's, there's just something different about being the star on the Giants than it would be on most other teams. And so he is, a, he is a mega star. And when you are that, you live your life under a microscope. And that's a, a, an expression that is used figuratively, of course, but there are elements of it that are somewhat literal, which is to say... Everything you do is bigger than it would be anyone else. So, yeah, lots of other people might get mad on the sideline and we don't even notice. But with Odell, we do. So that's one part of it. The other part of it is the part that Keyshawn brought up today, which is that there is a different kind of double standard that exists in the way we judge certain players versus others. 
Let me let you hear that. This was Keyshawn this morning. I've seen Tom Brady slam his helmet down. I've seen Matt Ryan slam his down. I've seen Cam Newton slam his down. Well, when Cam slams, uh, uh, slams his down, something's wrong with him too. It's it just, that's the world we live in here, man. Let's call it what it is. We, we tend to want to run away from that. We tend to want to act as though hold quarterbacks to a higher standard. I've always said those are the most selfish dudes on a team. Let's stop acting like that just because they make the most money. You know, the old quarterbacks are some of the most selfish dudes on the team. I don't doubt that at all. You know, this is an area of expertise that he would have as a former player that I would not. But it has been my experience that in order to be a legend, in order to be one of the great players in any sport, and particularly at that position, I do think an enormous amount of ego comes with it. I do think at least a degree of selfishness is necessary in, in all great athletes, even the ones who are known as unselfish. If there's an obvious difference, let's just use Brady, for example. Brady, at least my perception of it is that Brady is not generally just yelling at people because he's upset things are going badly, but he is instructing, if you will. Now, now maybe I'm not, I'm not suggesting that this is the right way to do it, but it feels to me like Brady is yelling at people who he thinks are not doing their jobs right, i.e. you ran the wrong route or you had the wrong blocking assignment or whatever it is that he thinks didn't get done correctly versus the receiver who we tend to perceive as being the one basically saying, you're not throwing me the ball enough. Now, that's not what happened exactly with Odell this past Sunday, but that is generally the way we look at it. And so we generally perceive the receiver to be selfish because the receiver is saying, throw me the football. And the quarterback is saying, you're not doing your job right. And that's why we're not succeeding. That's one of the ways in which, if you want to say we give the quarterback a pass, perhaps we do. I also just think there is something about the credibility that you earn, the, 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 the resume that you bring, specifically when you're Tom Brady, that makes you just every, view everything differently. You look at everything differently with Tom Brady. And I'll give you a much better example than him yelling at people on the sideline because he's been doing that for a long time. But Tom Brady, a week ago Thursday, in a nationally televised game, standalone game against the Chicago Bears, that his team lost in a critical spot at the end of the game, lost track of the downs. He lost track of what down it was. You saw him holding up four fingers. He thought he had another play. He threw an incomplete pass on fourth down, and then he wanted one more shot at it. And someone had to tell him, sorry, Tom, the game is over. Now, he was able to joke about that almost immediately thereafter. He used that as part of a social media congratulations post for LeBron James when LeBron won his fourth championship. Tom posted a picture of himself holding up four fingers, and he can do that, and he'll get away with it. No one is going to say that's disgraceful. He cost his team a game by not knowing what down it was because for every one of those four fingers, he has one and a half championships on his resume. So you're going to let Tom Brady get away with, that's not even the right way to say it. Tom Brady has earned the benefit of the doubt on almost everything. I suppose there's a line that he cannot cross where you would not say that is behavior unbefitting of or that is something else. 
But for the most part, you'll put up with almost anything from someone that accomplished. It's the same as Michael Jordan. We all watched Michael Jordan in the, the, the last dance this past summer, those 10 hours. And I didn't hear anyone say, or almost anyone say, boy, what a terrible teammate Michael was. Boy, Michael was awful. Boy, that, that he really handled all of that wrong. Because at the end of the day, winning excuses everything. Winning is the ultimate deodorant. So Jordan has that, and it never goes away. And Brady has that, and it never goes away. I would go so far as to say there's nothing, no level of failure, and, and they've been anything but to this point, but there would be, could be, no level of failure that Brady could encounter in Tampa that would make you in any way diminish anything that he has already done or everything that he's already done. So there's a lot in this uh, that, that, that with the Odell and everything else. And look, I hope that they get it figured out in Cleveland because I have no horse in that race, but I am in the interesting business. And Baker Mayfield is an interesting person. And Odell Beckham is an interesting person. I'm interested in the things that they do. And we need them to continue doing them. And we're, we, we're right now, if they just sort of run out of gas on this thing and it peters out and now we have to break that thing up and we're talking about trading Odell and we're talking about moving on from Baker Mayfield, that becomes a lot less interesting than if they start getting it together. So I hope that they will and we'll see where it all winds up going from there. All right. A greenie with you presented by progressive insurance uh, so much as we continue here uh, there was something else that i wanted to mention and that is that i had today perhaps the most embarrassing moment a new low even by my standards at the end of get up you may have seen it if not jenny i know is going to show it on tv here on espn news and we have it up on social as well we do this bit every now and again where damian woody will smash these little helmets with a big mallet and we like the visual of it. They're these little tiny mini helmets. And Damian Woody is this big, huge, enormous man. So we call it Big Man Little Helmets. And he picks the winner of a game by saying they're playing them. He smashes the helmet of the team that's going to lose. And it's been so long since we've been able to do it because we haven't been in our studio. We've all been separated. And even today doing it, D. Wood and I had to be careful to be six feet apart at all times. That we just wanted to have a little fun. So we, we did a few of them today. And we thought it would be a fun bit if at the end of the show... I, I said, this would be cathartic for me. Let's put a little Jets helmet there, and I'll smash it with a mallet. We had to get two mallets, because he and I are not allowed to share one. So I had my mallet. We put the little tiny helmet on it. Bam! I missed it. <laughs> I missed the helmet. So bam! I hit it again, and I missed it again. It took me three smashes to actually hit the helmet. Now, when I hit it, I hit the heck out of that helmet. I smashed that helmet. And the proof of it is here. I have it in the house. I brought it home. Stace has a picture of it. If you want to see it, it's on her Twitter, at StacyGSG. I've got it right behind me. I'm leaning. If you want to see it, I'll hold it up for TV. I brought the little, I wanted to show you, I smashed the heck out of that helmet. It is in lots of pieces. And the reason I missed it is because I was very concerned that I wouldn't hit it hard enough. And it would be like that. You ever get asked to like break at the start a game of pool? Like if you're playing billiards and you're the one who's got a break and you kind of don't hit it well and then it's just kind of a little wimpy, measly break and the game's kind of terrible and everyone's looking at you like you're an idiot? That's what I was afraid would happen. 
that I didn't hit the helmet hard enough. It didn't break that I would look bad. So instead I swung as hard as I possibly could. And I made myself look a thousand times worse by missing it. So that was my moment today. I'm fessing up to it as athletic moments go for me on television or radio. That probably is a new low. Let's move it forward. Back to the conversation with you. 888-SAY-ESPN is my phone number and you are next. Your calls, 888-SAY-ESPN. What do you want to know is the game we're playing. You ask me a question about sports and I'll answer right after this. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Okay, Greeny with you, and the rest of the show belongs to you. 888-SAY-ESPN. The game we play is called What Do You Want to Know? Anything you want to ask me about the world of sports, I'll do my best to answer. And David, you are up first on ESPN Radio. David, what do you want to know? Gee, good afternoon, G. What's going on, man? Good afternoon. Gee, gee, this is what I want to know. This is what I want to know. It's a two-part question. It's two-part. What I want to know is why you didn't believe me. Why do you have any type of confidence in me? When I told you three weeks ago that the Bears were going to the playoffs, look at us now. Look at us now, Gene. That's what I want to know. Oh, and also I want to know why are you still a Jets fan? Can I ask you a question, David? As, as, are, I think you're doing an imitation of Marcus Spears. Do I have that right? Because if so, it's excellent. And it's the, you're the first person I've heard doing that. And it's an excellent swagoo. Is, is that, are you doing that on purpose? Well, well, well I mean, I'm, it's not an imitation. This is, this is Dave in real life. You understand? So now, now. I might, I might have got your nickname G from Spears, you know. I might, I might have called you G from Spears, but this is Dave right here. This is Dave. Okay. You sound very much like Marcus. Those are exactly things he would have said to me. So the two questions were, why am I not giving the Bears enough love? Listen, the Bears have a championship-caliber defense. We talked about it with Lewis Riddick at the beginning of this hour. The question is, can they play enough offense to make a playoff run? I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. What I mean by a run is to actually do any damage. And the best chance you have at that, Dave, is for Nick Foles to get hot because Nick Foles is one thing, and that is streaky. And if he gets hot and gets on a run, then maybe, I mean, crazier things have happened than him carrying that defense deep into the NFC playoffs. I don't think that's impossible. But on a bad day, I think the Bears lose to any of the good teams in the NFC. So let's see where they wind up. And then as far as why I'm a Jet fan, your guess is as good as mine. 
it, it's just some things that we were born with and are just never going to go away. Uh, and I don't care what you say. You sound just like Swagoo. All right, Steve, you're next up. Steve, you're on ESPN Radio. What do you want to know? Greeny, you're great, brother. I love you. I watch you every day, man. But I just wanted to ask you, outside of Patrick Mahomes, who is the best quarterback in the AFC? Outside of Patrick Mahomes, who's the best quarterback in the AFC? There's a lot of different ways to take that question. I mean, the one – you could be asking me that with a lot of different agendas. I did a whole piece this morning on television about how Ryan Tannehill actually has the best numbers of anybody. That said, if you were telling me I could start my team with any quarterback, it would not be Ryan Tannehill. In the AFC, I'm just doing this very quickly off the top of my head, I think I would take Deshaun Watson, but am I forgetting anyone? Oh, Lamar Jackson? Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, I mean, Ben Ben Roethlisberger is having a terrific season, but at the age that he is, you sort of put him in a different category with some of these younger guys. I think I would take Deshaun Watson. If you were telling me you could start your team, this is the way I'm going to interpret the question. If, if I could start a team with any quarterback in the AFC besides Patrick Mahomes, I would start it with Deshaun Watson. So there's my answer. Steve, thank you for the call. Seth, you're next up on ESPN Radio. Seth, what do you want to know? Hey, Greeny, just want to know, love the show, man. Uh, just want to know, would the Cowboys be any better defensively had they gone out and gotten Earl Thomas? I don't think so. I, I don't know. I mean, everything that was said about him when he got released was, amongst all of my analysts was that he was not the player that we remember him to be at his apex in Seattle. You know, when he was in Seattle and he was he was as good as just about anybody. But that, I think, is long in the past. So I don't think so. I don't think he would have made anywhere near enough a difference. Might they be a little better? I guess. You can't be worse. They're on pace to give up more points than any team in the history of the NFL. So they literally can't be worse. And it's, it's particularly bad because it's not just the numbers. You heard Lewis Riddick at the beginning of this hour say that they don't look like they have a plan. Like that's something you never hear. High-level analysts like guys like that who are not, not uh, hot take people at all, you never hear that stuff from guys like him. So when he says things like that, I really pay attention. So I think there were major questions in the coaching there. Again, the, the anonymous voices, which I will never, ever support, which I will never be anything other than critical of, it's not because what they're saying is wrong. What they're saying is probably very much right. All right, this was a fun day. Thank you, everybody, for the calls. Thank you, everybody, for being here. And we will do this again tomorrow, same time, same place. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.